afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Notre Dame Stadium. Zivikowski trying to get to the outside. He has blockers in front. Time for Zivikowski. Belong to beat. Shakes it off. To the five and touchdown. And now it is down. It is over. And the Irish have knocked off number one Clemson. Brady Quinn looking. Pump fakes. He rolls to the near side. Throws it. It's caught by Samaja. Inside the 20. Inside the 10. He's going in. Notre Dame has scored. Jones is the back. He's got it again. And Jones a letter room. Tony Jones makes a cut. Gets a block. And scores. Is that the play that will seal the playoff bid for Fighting Irish? Welcome in. This is Sons of Saturday Irish. I'm Tyler Wojak. Luke Smith is here. And today... We're going to be joined by one of our favorite recurring guests, Greg Flamung from Irish Sports Daily. And we're going to break down what we've seen from the Irish so far this season, now that we're a quarter of the way through the regular season. And then we'll get you ready for the uh, big matchup this Saturday as Notre Dame is set to take on the North Carolina Tar Heels at 3.30 p.m. Eastern on ABC. If you're watching us on YouTube, please like the video below and subscribe to the channel. Uh, and if you're listening to the podcast, give us a rate and review there as well. Um, okay. We're going to pay the bills real quick, and Greg is going to come on after the break. This episode of Sons of Saturday is supported by DraftKings. The NFL action is in full swing here at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. We're talking touchdowns, big plays, and even bigger wins. New customers can bet just $5 on any NFL team to win and get $200 in free bets if they do. If that's not enough, everyone can boost their winnings with DraftKings stepped-up same-game parlays. Right now, for every leg you add, you can boost your winnings up to 100%. With payouts bigger than ever, why bet on football anywhere else? To make things even sweeter, you can throw down on stepped-up same-game parlays once per game day all season long. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code SOS to get $200 in free bets if your team wins when you place a $5 bet on any football game. That's code SOS only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. This episode is sponsored by Haas Company, a lifestyle brand that's about being the best version of yourself. Be the Haas. The Haas lives life without reservations, without doubt, and ready to answer the call each and every day. Check out their website at bethehaas.com and use promo code SUNS for 15% off on your next order. Check them out. This episode is also supported by Roback. Shop game-changing activewear with Roback for those who crave activity. Use the promo code SUNSND, that's S-O-N-S-N-D, to get 20% off your next order in the entire store at Roback.com. But we encourage all of our listeners to check out the Shamrock Polo, which would look great on Irish fans everywhere. That's promo code SUNSND at R-H-O-B-A-C-K.com. All right, Greg Flamung from Irish Sports Daily joins us now. It's been a while since we last had you on, man. How have you been? Has it been a while? I feel like it's. Uh, I, f- I feel like it was just around the corner that we last spoke. But uh, you know, it, it it's never soon enough. I'll tell you that with with, <laughs> with my guys here. Well, I appreciate it. I know you've been doing a bunch of pods, a bunch of stuff for Irish Sports Daily, so we appreciate the time. And I think we got to start with just a, a vibe check, just see how you're feeling. What's your general sentiment uh, about this team now that we're a quarter of the way through the regular season? Uh, I would say it's week to week. Um, you know, it, it, at post Ohio state, I, uh, felt really good about the defense and I, I was concerned about the offense. Um, I didn't think that was a very good performance. I think people kind of looked at it like, well, Ohio state's really good. Um, you know, good defense and that sort of thing, new defensive coordinator, talented team. So, you know, I think people kind of overlooked it a little bit. I was a, a little worried about it. Um, and I think that, you know, came to fruition against Marshall. Right. And so, um, you know, now I think they, they, they got to win against Cal and, and not just, they got to win, they got to win in a way that they, they want to play offensively with the running game and that sort of thing. So, um, you know, I guess things are trending up that way. The defense still looks good. Having given up more than uh, 21 points in the game, obviously Marshall scored 26, but that was off of a pick six. So, um, you know, if the defense keeps playing like this, then they're at least going to give the offense a chance. So, um, yeah, week to week, you know, let's let's see what next week brings. 
Yeah, I feel like, Luke, I should have asked the same question to you because on Sundays it's usually pretty grim, but then as the week goes by it gets a little bit better. So where are you at today on this team? Well, with that, I'm just going to say I'm, I'm unsure of, of where okay. I stand. Uh, so maybe that's that's a similar theme. They don't appear to be particularly dominant at anything, but I'm not sure they're exactly awful at anything either, although at times I could be convinced that the offense, who knows. Uh, they're just kind of hard to get a read on is what I would, I'd say at this point. And so, yeah, week to week is probably a pretty apt way of putting that. Okay, so going into this season, we all had high expectations, and not just us. It was the entire Notre Dame beat. Most of the national media even was pretty high on this team. Colin Coward said this was the best Notre Dame team he's seen in 25 years, but it's Colin Coward. Take that for what it's worth. Then again, he is a colleague, so shout out Fox guy. But really, (laughs) I just want to point it to you guys. Like, Were we just all wrong about this team all along maybe we looked at last year's success and it might have been a little bit deceiving because they had an 11-2 record but the schedule was pretty weak they lost some key guys obviously Kyle Hamilton uh, Kyron Williams Jack Cohn Kevin Austin but it seemed like this year there was a ton of red flags we all saw them but were we just wrong or is this team uh, underperforming so far and they can be a lot better Greg we'll start with you so I think the the red flags, yes. So we have to understand, like losing to Ohio State was not that. That's not like a surprise or anything, right? Like I, I people pick them to win or whatever, but it's uh, it, losing to them is not a shock, right? So it, that after that game, you don't say okay, like we we overrated this team or anything. Like we're really what happened is that they went and lost to Marshall, right? And and so that's very surprising. Right. So that's when you take a step back and it's like, Whoa, like, is this team a total disaster? Um, but it's not unlike the way they started last year, right? They struggled with Toledo very easily could have lost. Right. We've said it over Should've and over. Lost. If the kid goes down at the one yard line, if he slides down, they're going to run out the clock and they'll kick a field goal with no time left. Right. And they'll win the game. And, 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 we're in the same spot wondering, like, is this team overrated? Right. And so they, they go on and beat Cal. You know, I think, I think the plan is like, let's say Notre Dame holds on against Marshall and they're two and one, and there's no big crisis within the program or anything like that. Um, and so, you know, I, I don't think anyone was super thrilled about the way Notre Dame looked to start last year. Right. I, I, I think we thought it was not a very good team, you know, and, but I think we, we, we look at what, you know, what happened last year in hindsight, that ended up obviously 11 to one, right? That went really well, but they didn't have that terrible loss. You know, they, they dodged the Florida state bullet. They dodged the Toledo bullet and you're able to build off that. Now they have to do it when they didn't dodge the bullet. Right. So um, I think the, the way we think about them is obviously very affected. You went and lost to Marshall. Right. But they still had the same kind of issues to start this year that they did last year. It's just that last year, you know, they, they dodged bullets and this year they didn't. So, you know, is it a, is it a huge reflection on, on how much further the program has fallen? Like not really, they were in the same position, you know, for all intents and purposes. So that's kind of how I look at it, but they do need to keep building. Right. And it is hard to build when, when you're not winning games. Right. So um, and, you know, that's where the loss to Marshall comes in. Right. So, like I said, like earlier, week to week. Right. Let's see. Let's see what North Carolina brings. And, uh, you know, we'll go from there. Yeah, I think I would say that uh, our expectations for this offensive line may have been way off base, at least initially. But I, I think the bigger thing for me is I don't know if enough credence was given to how difficult it was going to be to run an offense with so few available skill players at receiver and running back. And I think that's true. Like when I say who was wrong here, I mean the media and us as fans, but also probably the coaching staff a little bit. And I think you're seeing that adjustment now. um, Drew Pine has obvious limitations. I've talked about them at length, but maybe, and just maybe those limitations are going to force Notre Dame to run an offense that might be more simplistic, but one they can actually succeed from. So that's kind of how I'm looking at it right now um, is I don't know if we were just totally wrong, but maybe some areas were ignored where they shouldn't have been. Yeah, I think everyone was was pretty wrong to a degree. Now, obviously, hindsight is twenty twenty, but when you look at it objectively, we've talked about there's plenty of red flags with the new coach, new quarterback, and we all just assumed the offensive line would be much better, even though they were 
really the biggest weakness on the team last season. Now, obviously, Blake Fisher coming back, and you figure with more experience, this group would come together. It hasn't up to this point, although the second half of Cal was certainly uh, uh, encouraging. And that's not to say this team can improve, but it seems like just based on what we've been reading and hearing from other people on the Notre Dame beat that the coaching staff was a little bit surprised by this too. And I think that goes back to Luke's point where – we all saw the problem with the receiver depth and you're thinking, how are they going to make it through the season? And that yet they apparently evaluated some guys in the portal. I don't know what exactly happened there. Either they passed on them or just, they weren't able to land guys and get their commitment. So we might not ever know the full story there, but it's certainly a concern. We all saw it and it, they didn't really do anything to fix it. Um, and then the quarterback, which is really interesting one. I don't know if you guys heard this. I think it was on Irish illustrated last week. Samson and O'Malley said that JT Daniels would have come to Notre Dame, yeah. um, but Notre Dame just turned him down. Now, it's different now with Buckner being hurt, but I thought that was interesting. So all that being said, based on what we've seen from this offseason and what we've seen so far from this team, have these first few games under Marcus Freeman impacted your belief in him and the rest of this coaching staff looking well down the road? Let's not even consider just this season, just say two to three years down the line. Um, has your belief in them been impacted? Not in Freeman per se, um, just because it, I, I don't regard any of this really as, I guess, his responsibility. And like, to be clear, we did, we were wrong. Like, like we, we had to make a bunch of assumptions, right? Like the, the media was not given a ton of access just to the team period. So we, we didn't like the media didn't get to see them as much, you know, the open practices that were shown, they were all unpadded, right? So we didn't know. Um, there were reports that the, the coaches were surprised by, you know, how the offensive line looked. And look, so we made a bunch of assumptions. Like, I definitely thought the offensive line and defensive line would would be to the point where we're not worried about losing a game to Marshall, right? Um, if they're going to be, if they're going to be bad, right? Both of those units. I don't think either of those units we can safely say was very good in the Marshall game, right? Well, if the strengths of your team are not strengths, then that's, that's a bad thing, right? And I think you factor that into, you know, the, the deficiencies at wide receiver, which we, we assumed would be mitigated by the fact that we can run the ball and we can protect and that sort of thing. So, um, you know, I, so on that front, yeah, it, it was a little bit, um, you know, that's very surprising, right? Just, I just want to make that clear. Um, as far as the coaching staff, you know, I, I, so I, I view the defense in a completely different light. Like, I, I don't think they've been great, but at the, on the other hand, like it is the way that they're playing. I I cannot say that I'm especially disappointed, right? There's the lack of turnovers and that's one thing, but there's also, they're not giving up a lot of points. So, you know, I, I think it's all about, you know, is my faith in the offense different? And my faith is my faith in, you know, Tommy Reese different. And to be completely honest, it, it kind of is right. Like he is in charge of it. This is his third year and they come out looking the way they look. And, you know, he made some assumptions, I guess. I mean, I'm, I don't even want to say assumptions. He's the coach, right? He sees them every day. He thought they were going to be one type of team. They weren't that in the first two games, right? And obviously it's made very difficult for him now losing his starting quarterback. Um, and you don't take a quarterback in the portal, like you guys mentioned, based on the fact that you have Tyler Buckner. And now Tyler Buckner is not an option and he's not going to be an option all season. Now you're in a really bad spot. So I would say to, to be clear, like I, I really, my, my faith in Reese, Reese is a little bit shaken, you know, but look, he has, he has nine more games to uh, at least to calm fears or, you know, allay um, any concerns that people have. So um, we'll see, but in, in Tommy Reese, yeah, I, I would have to say, if I'm being honest, you know, that I'm, I'm a little bit worried about that. Yeah. I don't know if I've had my, uh, belief shaken much i guess what i would say is that perhaps the the how big this learning curve was going to be i just may have underestimated and and that's fine Um, but i think the bigger piece for me and i kind of already said this we talked about how we thought the weaknesses at wide receiver would be mitigated by the ability to run the ball that hasn't really been the case, although last week showed some some signs of improvement. But it, for me, the the bigger thing that's been clear is just we need elite offensive skill players, like at running back, wide receiver, and quarterback. I, I just it's really difficult to watch this offense, and so I think with the idea that 
you're going to learn on the job as a coach. I think an even larger emphasis needs to be put into recruiting and evaluation of, of offensive skill talents because what we have right now, I mean, there is still some talent there, but it's it's just not close to where it needs to be. No, and I, I agree there, and I think that's one of the things we can't just say definitively, well, you know, this is Freeman's fault um, because we're not good on the outside. This has been an issue that we've talked about since really – I was on full display in that Cotton Bowl game against Clemson ever since then. That's been the talk, and frankly, things haven't really changed that much on the outside. For me, with Freeman, I think the one thing that's been clear is the learning curve is a little bit steeper than we thought. Going into the season, we could look at guys like Ryan Day, Lincoln Riley, and how seamlessly that that transition was, but those are legendary coaches. And also, just the programs were in a bit better shape than what Notre Dame was in uh, or is in right now and what Freeman inherited, so... From that aspect, I think, yeah, we thought it'd be smooth sailing right off the bat. It hasn't been. Um, And I understand, Greg, your feelings about Reese. And yeah, the cards that he's been dealt this season have been tough. But he's been around the program long enough now that you think like, okay, like, yes, the position coach who was at receiver last year or the past few years really is gone. And he was certainly a part of the lack of uh, recruiting there. But that's also on Reese, too, because it is his offense and he is culpable for that as well. But Notre Dame did get a win against Cal, though we've talked about the Marshall game like six times already. So now that there's some been some time uh, to like go back and look at it a little bit more, Greg, what's the most encouraging thing you saw from Notre Dame's win over Cal that they might be able to build on going forward? Uh, two things uh, offensively. First, uh, the left side of the line, I think there's really something there uh, with the all patterson um, and Carell, I think they, if, when, when I've been, I've been watching the game all week, um, just kind of going over the, the film and everything. And, and those guys, they really worked well together. I, I think they got good push together. They were, they were moving people, um, double teams, that sort of thing. And, and it was all kind of cohesive. Um, and, and then the, and then the backs, right. So that kind of a complimentary thing, uh, you know, Chris Tyree touches the ball 22 times over a hundred total yards. Um, I, I think, I think estimate touched it either 22 or 21 times either way. I mean, it just a, a, a ton of production from those guys uh, rushing and receiving. And so look, if, if that's going to be what their identity is and are, are the, you know, the best part of their team to support now the backup quarterback, and then you build the offense off of that with, you know, things like play action and RPO game and that sort of thing, then that's a, that's a, realistic path forward to, you know, building an offense that is, that is dangerous and then it's going to give teams problems. So um, I would say that the left side of the line, and then I would say the, the backs, you know, they, they really, they really showed something. And Cal's, Cal's pretty good defense, far better than what they're going to see this weekend. That's definitely for sure. Yeah, that's true. Uh, t- to me, the fact that Notre Dame won the game where it seemed like six different times they were destined to lose it. Uh, no matter what you think of Cal, at least a tiny fragment of that winning DNA we had, be- we had become so accustomed to over the last five years finally showed itself with this team. So at least there's something to build off there, just like going away from everything schematically and in what we may have seen. That little bit of a piece of winning DNA showed itself for really the first time this season. Yeah, I know exactly what you mean about the winning DNA. Even after Buckner threw that pick against Marshall, I, it was sort of ingrained in my head, like, they're not going to lose this game. Like, we've seen them, you know, pull a rabbit out of the hat so many times. I mean, Virginia Tech last year, they were dead in the water. Toledo, again, should have lost that one. There's been so many times where they'd be, like, messing around with the team who was inferior, and then they'd pull it out. And then when they actually lost to Marshall, all of that went away. And, yeah, it felt like it was gone. So the fact that they were able to pull that out against Kyle, despite – winning and losing the game like three different times in the last drive either way yeah they they won one and now they can hopefully build off that uh for me i would just say the combination of chris Irie and audrick sma i don't know how much of logan Diggs we're going to see going forward i know he was out with an illness last week but i mean if those two guys are as productive as they showed they were they showed they can be last saturday going forward i don't know why you wouldn't just ride the hot hand and plus they seem to be a little bit more effective as receivers and considering Notre Dame doesn't have any actual wide receivers that are particularly productive, you kind of need both of them out there at the same time. And they used a lot of 21 personnel. So I like that. Um, but we got to talk about the guy giving him the ball. So 
Let's talk about Drew Pine. Greg, in one of your videos this week, I think you referred to uh, Pine's performance in the first half as an existential crisis happening in front of our eyes. That actually might be putting it lightly. I said he had a stroke on the field. Um, so we're all on the same page with what we saw. It was uh, it was unwatchable. It made me reconsider everything, um, not just about this team, but like life in general in football. So... Give him credit. He did turn it around, though. He finished 14 of 15 for 131 yards and two touchdowns, no picks. All it took was a tongue lashing from Tommy Reese on national television on Notre Dame's broadcast partner to get his head out of his ass. But let's try to focus on what we saw after that. Uh, Greg, what did you see from Pine that Notre Dame can sort of build on and just modify the offense from what they thought it was going to be going into the season? Yeah, so it's not going to be the... um the dynamic, you know, throwing off platform that, that Tyler Buckner can do, you know, we didn't get to see him do that, but like Buckner throwing on the run, you know, kind of a cross body and, and chucking the ball deep. Like we're not going to see that stuff. Um, I don't think we're going to see um, a lot of like empty uh, five wide, you know, let pine get back there and cook. Right. Like, yeah. I don't, so I don't, no fun stuff. Okay, cool. Yeah. Yeah. It's, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The, the, the fun happiness is, uh, is not going to be the deal, but look, I, you know, I, when, when he was, when, when it was apparent that, that Buckner was going to be hurt for a really long time. And obviously he's out for the season. You know, I, I tweeted out that, that Drew Pine can do exactly what the Marshall kid did for against Notre Dame, you know, and they, they obviously found a way to beat a better team that way. And, and that was what they, you know, Notre Dame started to do, right? Like obviously the 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 stat, his his uh average depth of target was two point six yards. Uh uh Marshall's quarterback was four point three against Notre Dame. You know, you can you can move the I think going forward, they'll, they'll try to bring routes, curl routes, out routes, that sort of thing. I, I think they'll be doing a lot more of that. Um, I think Pine showed Therese in the first quarter. Maybe we don't do that in this game. You know, maybe we're not ready for that. Right. Let's do the, let's do the screen game. Let's do the, uh, you know, the short slant game. Let's do the, the RPO, get the, get the players in the flat kind of thing. Right. Let's get that going. And then, and then we'll, we'll pick our spots, you know, with the, with the throw to Tyree, that's obviously a planned play, um, a really good design and everything drawn up by Reese, good throw by pine, right. Put it where it needed to be. Same thing with mayor for the touchdown pass. So you start there and then you, you build, you build up. So uh, the fact that he was able to, you know, settle down, finish 17 to 23, which isn't like, you know, is, is great. It was good considering the fact that he's not throwing the ball down the field. Right. Like you have to be able to hit layups. If he can't hit the layups then the, the, we have no chance. Right. And that's what he wasn't doing in the first quarter. So, um, you know, hit the layups and then you go, you, you build out from there. That's, that's where I think it's going to be going. Yeah. That's, that's sounds good to me. Um, I don't have a lot to add other than that. I just, I hope that the more time he spends in South Bend, and it's been almost three years now, we can just get the quarterback from Connecticut sort of idea. I just don't like my quarterback being from Connecticut. And I'll leave it at that. <laughs> you don't think they play like top-level high school football in Connecticut? No, I think they play eighth grade <laughs> in Connecticut. Well, that's what uh, Tyler Buckner was playing against in San Diego. From what we yeah, a little bit different. A little still. bit different. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to be honest. There was not anything that happened on the field this past Saturday that made me more optimistic and pine going forward. However, I did watch uh, his highlights last year against Wisconsin and Cincinnati, and like he pushed the ball downfield way more in those games than we saw in the entire game against Cal, and he even hit Braden Lindsey for a deep touchdown pass. That yeah. maybe the only one we've ever seen. Where like that actually connected at least in the past few years, so I think he's capable of throwing it downfield. And Notre Dame is going to have to push it a little bit because now that there's tape on him, like it's going to be a little bit different now. Now that he's a little bit more of a known commodity and people can game plan against him, so I think they're going to try a little bit more. We're probably not going to see the seven deep shot attempts that Notre Dame tried against Cal, but I do think it's possible for him to to push it a little bit more. And now that he got whatever that was in the first half, hopefully out of his system for good, he can settle in and be more relaxed and more confident back there. But let's turn our uh, our focus to North Carolina now. We're recording this on Wednesday night, and as of now, the last time I checked, 
Uh, the Tar Heels are favored by one and a half with the over-under at 55 and a half, according to DraftKings. So you're looking at a projected final score close to like 28-27 North Carolina. But then again, this line has already fluctuated so much in the past few days. It seems like no one has any real idea about what to expect in this game. So Greg, like, how are you feeling about this game now that we're a few days away? So there's two things. So I was watching North Carolina today, um, and their defense is not good. Okay. And and I think we, we, we like to make references and, you know, go back in time and, you know, add context and that sort of thing. Uh, remember in 2018 when Ian book made his first start and it was like, well, it's on the road. Yes. But wake forest, their defense is terrible, right? Well, North Carolina's defense is worse than that statistically. Okay. So you're not, you're not going against a tough unit. Right. And, and I would venture to say that Marshall's defense is better than North Carolina's defense is. Okay. So you know, whatever Notre Dame was doing on the ground, I would expect that they should be able to repeat that in this game. It, it's the worst opponent they've played, at least worst defensive opponent. Um, so there's that part of it, right? I, I think from a, a protection standpoint, from a run game standpoint, I, I think they should be viable on that one. Um, but it is kind of all in theory, right? We haven't we haven't seen the Notre Dame offense, you know, really look like a dangerous unit yet. And so it's... It, it, it can be kind of hard to imagine, but the fact of the matter is, is that that's a bad defense they're going against. Um, and when, with the, the offense, look, Drake may, I, I, I have, um, he, he's accurate. You know, I, I can't sugarcoat it any other kind of way. He's an accurate player. He's a dynamic player. Uh, he's good running the ball. Um, he's basically Sam Howe again, you know, um, the, the good news is that Notre Dame's played this team two years in a row. You know, so this is their third straight year. They're going to be playing them. And it's the same offense. Like you, I was watching the Georgia state game. It's, it's all the same stuff, right? Like it's, it's nothing new. And, and they, Notre Dame's got a ton of experience on their defense. They've, they've seen this, um, you know, they've all seen this, they've all practiced against it. Uh, you know, uh, Josh Downs is, uh, is kind of iffy. He's got yeah, like a what's knee his issue deal there. It's a he, knee he's, sprain. He, He's got some kind of knee problem that may or may not be healed up enough okay, to, to so play in this play game. Have two touchdowns and 150 yards. Okay, cool. <laughs> well, the, the the other part too is he will be matched up a lot with the player who's playing the best ball in their name's defense and Tariq Bracy right now. So um, even that is like uh, a shocking uh, revelation, but it is true. You know, there, there's yeah, no, no denying doubt. it. He's playing great. So. Uh, you know, there's that piece. So I, you know, my only thing is if, if North Carolina scores 24 points, you know, is that going to be enough for them? Right. I would like to think no, but it's kind of one of those things, right? Week to week until you see it. It's so sad. You just wonder, right? It's a team that gave up 40 and a quarter. I'm trying to, I'm, I'm trying to, I'm trying no, you're to, right. make, no, you're right. I'm, I'm trying to make Luke feel better. Basically my whole, my whole uh, goal coming into this is I, I, I wanted Luke to be in a better mood because I feel like, he, <laughs> I feel like he's kind of down and I wanted to cheer him up. So I, I think, oh, yeah. look, I, I think this North Carolina defense is, is really not good. Just as a matter of fact, whether or not Notre Dame can take advantage of that fully um, time will tell, but it, it is a, a good matchup. I will, I'll, I'll say that I'll say it's a good matchup for them. All right. I actually feel a lot better about this game without getting into specifics than maybe I would have thought uh, a while ago. Um, Greg just talked about it. Carolina, everybody's sort of talking about this. They've averaged, I think it's 51.3 points per game when Notre Dame's only scored 55 the entire season. Fair enough. Good offense. Drake May, really good player. Um, defense, as you mentioned, is, is kind of the opposite end of that spectrum. The more I think about this, this is kind of an interesting matchup between a bunch of really young coaches for Notre Dame, although I guess Al Golden doesn't really fit, fit that, um, but versus coaches for North Carolina that are maybe a bit older and washed up in Mac Brown, Gene Chizik, and I'm not going to call Phil Longo washed up, but he is in his mid-50s, uh, so it's just it's a unique clash there. All of that aside, I just don't really get scared by North Carolina. Uh, there's been a couple times I felt like when we played them where there seems to be this talk about a potential upset, although I, I don't know if we would even call this an upset. I really don't know what to make of this game, but it would not it never be really, yeah, it never really happens. They never really seem to live up to expectations. Um, 
I don't know if this would be crazy to say, but the game might be slightly past Mac Brown. And as of this recording, the game wasn't even sold out yet, so maybe their fans know that too. Yeah, the fans are actively trying to get people to come to the game. They're three and zero. They're hosting That's Notre shocking. Dame. Shocking. Yeah, yeah, they can't. They can't get people in the crowd. I feel okay about this. I guess I don't really know what to expect. Um, I guess the one thing that I'm sort of leaning on is how Notre Dame looked against Ohio State, going against a really high powered offense. But we'll get to that in a second. Um, I want to stay with uh, Notre Dame's offense because one of our friends put it so delicately today. When Notre Dame's offense takes the field, it's going to answer the question of what happens when an easily stoppable force meets an incredibly movable object. So on that note, Greg, what would you do if you were Notre Dame to try and exploit this very movable Carolina defense? I would I would do what they did against uh, Cal. Just run it, it. it? Yeah, well, it, not just that, but a lot of what a lot of what Georgia State did was similar to the, what Notre Dame can do. You know, that they, they had a ton of success running left they, or up the middle, you know. Um, and then they hit RPOs. You know, Notre Dame can do that. Like, why can't, uh, why can't Jupine do that? You know, it, look, it, it's, it, it's simple. It's not complicated. But it, it, North Carolina has problems with that. You know, Georgia State did not do anything that was elaborate or uh, tricky, you know. North Carolina is not a very well coached defense. They don't have a ton of good players. They haven't had a good defense in the entirety of the Mac Brown era, you know? So, and then they bring in Gene Chizik, who's, who just is, is not good. Like he hasn't <laughs> done a good job, you know? So I, it's like, it's, that's the thing. It, it's, it's not that Notre Dame has to come up with, um, you know, a play a certain kind of way to beat this team. They just have to they just have to continue building off of what they did against Cal, right? Because you know, they look, they they did what they did against Cal, basically giving up a quarter, right? They just not not even giving up a quarter, like like handing it to them. Handing Please it to take them. This. Right, right. Like like uh fumbling snaps. Like that's the thing. It's not scheme. It's not like yeah. Reese had a bad game plan. We can't we yeah. can't snap the ball. I saw know? that. So, I saw that people were like, this is on Reese for the game plan. It's like the quarterback can't catch the shotgun snap, dude. Like what what coaching is gonna change that? Right. Like, yeah, so it wasn't that, but so they sacrificed a whole quarter and and then they still found a way to you know score 24 points and win the game. So, you know, I I so that that aspect of it kind of heartens me a little bit. You know, just like, okay, once it was figured out, it actually looks pretty good, you know, but the first quarter is the first quarter, right? And the whole game counts, obviously, but, you know, so that's where it it, it kind of, I kind of feel like maybe they got something here, right? Maybe they got, maybe they got four touchdowns in them, you know, All right. and I, and, uh, <laughs> and they got four touchdowns in them. I think, uh, I think they got something for North Carolina. I think the defense is good enough to where they can, they can, uh, they can take care of it. Luke, what would you do if you were OC going against this Carolina team? I think pretty much exactly what Greg just said. Just take what's there for you because it seems like there's going to be a lot there, and, <laughs> and it's really not going to be that difficult. It seems pretty straightforward. Um, I like. I just I don't see North Carolina's defense all of a sudden coming together and, and just putting out this stout performance. I think the only thing that's going to get in Notre Dame's way here is is themselves. Yeah. I was just going to say, I don't. If Notre Dame doesn't score, it's probably not because North Carolina's defense came out of nowhere with this incredible performance. It probably just has to do with Notre Dame's. But last note on the uh, defense, Greg: Are there any players that you saw that that scare you at all on that defense? On their defense? Yeah, on Carolina's that we should keep an eye out for. Um, I mean, they have the the number eight, right? He and Miles Murphy. He got hurt, um, so I don't I don't know he was his a top status. Recruit. Yeah, he was a top recruit. He's a good player, but he got hurt against Georgia State. Um, I'm not sure of his availability. Um, but other than him, not really. I mean, they just don't have a ton of playmakers. They have they have Grimes, the corner, who was very highly rated, but has had a you know checkered career to say the least, right? I mean, obviously he's he's played Notre Dame twice, and no one has bad feelings about him, you know, like going against him. So, yeah. um, you know, I don't know they, they've got, they've, I guess they've got some guys who, who are talented, but no one who it's like, Oh, I don't know about that guy. Like, it's not like, 
like uh you know clemson with brizzy and um you know they're miles murphy right yeah, like so yeah. it's just it's not of that ilk right? yeah so you're not going to be game planning around anyone trying to avoid them if anything it'd probably no. be like uh lou williams the opposite. yeah the we're opposite. like trying to pick out guys and just go after them all game yeah um, all right, flipping it over to the other side of the ball, Drake May looks like the real deal. Greg, you already mentioned it. He was highly touted coming out of high school, and based on everything we've seen so far, he's as advertised, and his numbers are crazy up to this point, but he hasn't really played any solid college defenses, and, and this will be his first real test as a college quarterback going up. Uh, against the Notre Dame defense, that's played pretty well this season. How do you expect Notre Dame will try and, and contain him? I know they're probably going to run nickel all game, and we saw a little bit against Ohio State, but if you were to game plan for Drake May specifically, what do you think Notre Dame is going to try to do? Well, they're going to have to spy. Um, yeah. You know, I mean, the other part, too, is that it's such an RPO-heavy offense that there's not a like ton of straight dropbacks, right? So um, you're always kind of having linebackers around. Um, I, I don't expect that there's ever going to be like three linebackers on the field. I think we're going to see a ton of Tariq Bracey. Like he's led the team in snaps for the first three games. And I think that's definitely going to continue. Um, he's their nickel and he, and I don't think he's ever going to come out when, when they're in that defense. So um, there's that best player. Right. It's and, insane and, to think about. Cause in the spring, I think all of us were like, he's not even on the team <laughs> and now he's the best player on the defense. <laughs> credit, you know, and, and the other part, and, and I'll tell you the other part of that too, is I think the second best player might be DJ Brown <laughs> Yeah, in terms oh. of the way they're playing. Yeah. I mean, DJ Brown is, uh, is smacking people, you know, he, he's making plays when, you know, he's smacking people after the whistle. Right. So, yeah. um, you know, he's got to cut that out, but you know, obviously I, but uh, again, just similar to the offensive line, right? Like if the, if the, if the emergence of, of Isaiah Foskey and Jason Adamalola as the guys that we expected in the preseason, if that continues, then North Carolina is going to be in a bad way. Cause they don't, you know, they don't have a great uh, offensive line and they never have um, they're, they were, they're solely reliant basically on creating gaps with the RPO game. Right. If, if Notre Dame's controlling the line of scrimmage with those four, um, that makes it very difficult. And especially, you know, now that we have Marist who loves playing against North Carolina because he can just go in there and c- cause problems. Right. So when they're running all their RPO stuff, well, Marist, he, he can just go in there with his hair on fire. Right. Cause he's got to thunder the run anyway, cause it's a, a running play that they're doing. So, um, you know, it's, it's a good, it's a good matchup for Marist. I think it's a good matchup for uh, the defensive line. And then you have, you know, uh, we have a secondary that's playing, a lot better, right? This, this might be in terms of, you know, the, the way that they're playing the best secondary that we've had against North Carolina, right? Like they didn't have Kyle Hamilton last year. They didn't have, um, they didn't have Kyle Hamilton for the second half in, in the first matchup in 2020. And, and so this year, you know, we, we've got multiple corners now. Clarence Lewis is playing the best ball of his career. Benjamin Morrison is got, they got the start last week and, and he played really well. And Tariq Bracey's playing out of his mind. DJ Brown's playing like this is the best secondary Notre Dame's gone up against North Carolina. So um, that's why it's like I don't know. I, I'm I'm kind of feeling like Notre Dame should, uh, should win this game, right? It's just a matter of like, are they going to get out of their own way? Like, are they going to show like, okay, we're actually a program that wins double digit games every single year? You know, are we that caliber? So it'll be interesting. It'll definitely be interesting. Uh, but before I explain this, let me let me pose a question. Is Notre Dame's own current plight at quarterback, is that Mike Bray's fault? <laughs> Can I explain where I'm going with this? Yeah, I was going to say, because last week we we pointed fingers at pretty much everyone, and Mike Bray was not one Mike of the Bray, names Mike mentioned. Bray has not, uh, yeah. not, has not so gone please, under, the, under the light, so yeah, let's hear expand. it. So back in 2015, uh, <laughs> Luke May was Mike Bray's big target in that class. He had a preferred walk-on offer for North Carolina, and Bray couldn't convince him to come to Notre Dame on a full scholarship. And the rest is history about what Luke May did at North Carolina. If he ends up in Notre Dame, I think there's a chance that Drake May is our quarterback right now, and he doesn't go to North Carolina because Luke May has such a great experience in Notre Dame. Why wouldn't little brother follow suit? Just a thought. Um, I don't know. But – Anyways, uh, I, I think a lot of what Greg said there is totally correct. It, like, thankfully, Notre Dame's offensive line – or, sorry, North Carolina's offensive line is quite poor once again. I, I don't know if it can ever be as bad as it was last year, but um, it's it's bad. And 
I'm just really hopeful that Notre Dame's defensive line can build off the success from last week. And, and if they can, then that can just be really a jumping off point for the rest of the season. But I think that that's the, the best part or maybe the easiest way to really get inside a, a freshman quarterback's head who, who hasn't played a real defense yet. Yes, I know that Appalachian State held uh, Texas A&M to 14 points, but I, I don't know that that says a lot about Appalachian State's defense considering what, they let up 63 to North Carolina. So maybe Texas A&M's offense is just really, really bad. Um, so I, I think that'll be interesting to see how, how this freshman responds against what should be the best defense he's seen, he's seen to date in his collegiate career. Yeah, I'd like to. I'd like to think so. And going back to your Mike Bray point, I think it's pretty clear that it is his fault, and yeah. that's who we should be yeah. directing more towards him. He'd be like, he's probably like at this point, like Luke May. Who the fuck's that? It's been seven years. Well, in 2015, I think he was I actually still recruiting. That was before the. That was before the back-to-back Elite Eight run. So he looked a lot different back then. Yeah, back when he was like, you know, I should recruit these kids. Okay, yeah. so. Based on what we've seen so far from Notre Dame's defense, we actually have one really good example to go off of because, you know, all offseason, all we talked about is how is Notre Dame going to stop Ohio State, C.J. Stroud, Jackson Smith, and Jake Although He ended up not playing for the majority of the game. But still, that's a very potent, high-powered offense, and that's one that's probably better than North Carolina, even if they haven't put up the same numbers. So well, they put up 77 against Toledo last week. Yeah. Well, who would ever struggle with Toledo? Um, <laughs> uh, just what kind of carryover, what, what could we expect from, from that game in the season opener? Is it pretty much the same thing, Greg, from what you've seen from North Carolina on tape? I know they're a little bit more RPO heavy, obviously a different dynamic. They don't run the ball nearly as well as Ohio State did. But do you think that that was like an adequate example of what we could see from this Notre Dame defense this weekend? Yes, yeah. I think okay. that there is a difference in that Stroud is not running and yeah. Drake may will. So that that's, that's a big variable, right? Like as we saw last weekend, right? Like somehow uh, Jack Plummer turned into uh, the, the person, yeah, everyone Vince young, the, the person everyone mistakes him for and Jake, the snake plumber is yeah. suddenly he's just darting through secondaries all over the place. So uh, that is a factor. Um, but yeah, I, I think, look, I, I would, I would much rather play, North Carolina's receivers than Marvin Harrison Jr. and Emeka Igbuka and Trayvon Henderson and, and the tight end that's going for Ohio State right now. He's having a huge year. So I, I would I would rather that was the case, right? The, I, I would rather go against North Carolina's group. Um, you know, and and, and again, the, the, this might be the the worst of the three straight uh meetings. This might be the worst receiving core. Now, granted, I, I think they're good. Right. I'm not, I don't want, I don't mean to denigrate them. Right. But, you know, Deami Brown, uh, that they still had Josh Downs in, in 2020 and 2021. Um, they had the, the slot guy, can't remember. His uh, name, five. Was it Daz Newsom or Daz Newsom? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 So they had those guys. So, I mean, th- th- those guys were, were, you know, high draft picks. Right. And so, um, I, I don't know that North Carolina has anyone of that caliber, at least right now. So, you know, again, I I keep I'm like talking myself into this. This I is know. unbelievable. I, I, we'll I get to score predictions in a bit. Well, let me tell you. Let me tell you. I I I said I was on the the Untitled Pod with Michael, and uh, I said I don't know how I'm going to be able to pick Notre Dame. And this was, I guess, Monday night. So here we are, Wednesday night. I've talked <laughs> myself into it. Congratulations to me. It's great. It's a good time. I, I'm ready to get hurt again. Luke, what do you think? Yeah, it's it's funny you mentioned those guys that were uh, high draft picks because I right before we did this, I was watching that clip of Amon Ross St. Brown talking about how Deami Brown was oh, picked ahead of that. him, and he didn't see the field in their game the other day. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I am starting to feel uh, more confident in this game. Maybe it's just a, a matter of talking through it. And yeah, in I was just going to say fashion, that was but, not how you felt when we started this. So great, well, mission I mean, accomplished. Actually, I, <laughs> yeah. Okay. Sure. Um, but I, I just think there's a lot of potential there. I, I think Notre Dame to what has already been discussed has faced a better offense in this so far this season. Now that's not to diminish anything North Carolina can do, but I really hope that this is once again, an instance where we have an advantage defensive line versus offensive line. Let's take, let's take advantage of that uh, because we've seen it happen one time so far this year where it felt like it could have happened two more times. And I'll be really curious to see um, how that shakes out on Saturday in Chapel Hill. 
Okay, so it seems like we're all relatively on the same page. We think Notre Dame's defensive line should should do pretty well, especially if they can kind of build off what they showed against Cal. Secondary, we feel pretty good about. But what's up with the linebackers? Going into the season, I mean, we, we talked about how they're senior-led. They were you know, very high football IQ guys. And frankly, just haven't seen a ton of production. Now, Bo Bowers playing hurt. Uh, J.D. Bertrand isn't going to play the first half. Jack Kaiser, you know, kind of so-so there. And I feel like with Merciliafau, like, we had really high expectations, although that he's clearly either dealing with some, like, lasting effects from last year's injury or maybe a new one that he suffered in camp. It could be shin splints or whatever. It seems pretty clear that he's way more effective when he's just running downhill, running violently, trying to get after the passer, um, or just maybe filling a hole. He's not as effective when he's out in space. But, Greg... I know that it's sort of message board fodder, but do you sort of buy into the fact that the linebackers have been disappointing and, and could this be a good opportunity for them to get sort of get things back on track? Yeah. I mean, just from a numbers standpoint, I think it's been, um, you know, not, not the best start for that group. Uh, my, my, uh, my colleague, Jamie uh, Uyama from Irish sports daily, he, he's, he thought there was, there was some, um, you know, getting used to the new defense, uh, he, he feels like they're processing a little too much, um, too much trying to worry about technique and that sort of thing. And they're not playing free. Um, that was, you know, kind of his assessment and I'll, and um, I'll, I'll go along with that. Um, I did hear the report about, uh, Maris possibly having shin splints. And if that's the case, that is the worst, uh, I've played with shin splints and, uh, it's terrible. It's awful. Every step you take, uh, hurts. Um, so that's not going to help in terms of explosiveness and that sort of thing. And he's, that's his whole game. So, um, but we did see some good stuff from him, you know, on the edge. Um, I, I really, I really like them doing that with him. Um, I hope we'd see more of that in this game, um, get him on the field, you know, um, and then, you know, on the blitz and that sort of thing. So I don't know. I, I, I would like to, I'd like to think that if they are processing a little bit slowly and it's, it's hard for them, they're, they're too, doing too much reading and not enough reacting. I would hope that that would get better over the season. Um, but it, it's not, it hasn't been the best, right. Especially from, I think from Jack Kaiser, especially, I think, I think people expected him to be, you know, one of the better players on the defense this year. And that hasn't been the case. He's been mostly anonymous. Um, and he, and he's been a better, he was a better player last year. You know, he, he was a playmaker last year. So, um, I think it's in there, uh, for whatever's going on. Um, hopefully that kind of returns to his game. Cause he should, this is the type of game that he should thrive in, you know, him and Maris, right. They're the smaller guys. They're, they're good in coverage. They're, they're good athletes. Um, so, uh, you know, you, you want to see him play well in this game, especially when JD Bertrand isn't going to be out there and it's not really like a bull Bauer type of, uh, type of game, I guess, given the, you know, the way that North Carolina plays offense. All right. I think it's time for some score predictions. It sounds like I know where everyone's leaning. Greg, you're our guest. Give us your prediction. So (laughs) I'm going to say Notre Dame 28, 24. I've talked myself into it. All right. We're going to, we're going to give, they're going to give them four touchdowns. All offense. uh, What's that? Yeah, I I, I can't. I I don't. I don't. uh, Unless it's uh, they're not playing Graham Mertz, right? I I can only assign (laughs) defensive scores if they're playing like Graham Mertz or something like that, right? Or if they're when they play Phil Dracovic, I'll assign some defensive scores to that as well because he tried his darndest to give Kyle the easiest pick six he ever had, and Kyle and Kyle decided he wanted to drop it. So, um, but until then, I I, I, it's hard to assign uh, defensive touchdowns. Uh, but yeah, I, I, um, that's where I'm going. Yeah. I was, I, I made a joke earlier that, uh, <laughs> this team is, is um, like this, this like eight and four team. I'm going to pick them to go 12 and zero on my weekly picks. Um, but you know, yeah, we'll, we'll <laughs> see if you pick that against Clemson. I, I, like I will it. say, I will say this. I will say this, this, this game will, will kind of tell a lot. Yeah. Um, an engaged Notre Dame team really should not lose this game. They really should not. So if they, if they lose this game, then, you know, we're going to know, oh, this is, uh, is this, this is going to be tough. This season's going to be tough. So we'll see. All right. Um, I didn't think I was going to go this way. Um, but uh, given, I'm just kind of thinking about the fact that they played North Carolina three years in a row now, they have so much tape on them. 
They know how this team plays. I, I'm going to say Notre Dame 34, North Carolina 20. I think they win by two touchdowns. Oh, my. Um, uh, there we go. I, Look I, what I, honestly, I did, Tyler. Look what I did. Yeah, I mean, honestly, maybe you see something similar to 2020, where in the second half, North Carolina forgets how to play offense against Notre Dame's defense. I mean, that was kind of Maris Leifau's. Yeah. yeah, well, they, they just didn't really know what they were doing, and Maris Leifau had probably the best game of his career in that game. Um, well, who says the lightning can't strike twice there? I don't, I don't know. Uh, I think it's a 34-20 final. Damn, I, I should have asked you like before we started recording. Give me a score prediction, and then at the end, so Greg, you know, nah, I was kind of, I was kind of thinking that for a while. Okay, don't worry. <laughs> uh, I'm saying 28-27. I think one of those touchdowns will be defense or special teams. I don't know if I have enough faith in this Notre Dame offense to put up four touchdowns just yet, even against uh, pretty abysmal North Carolina defense. But if they can hold. North Carolina to a couple field goals on some key possessions. That's going to be huge, even though I think North Carolina scored touchdowns on 10 out of 11 trips in the red zone. So it's a lot to ask, but I think they can do it. It'd be more than they gave up to Ohio State, and I think Ohio State's offense is better. Now, it's obviously not apples to apples, but you know what I mean. So um, that's what I'm going with. So we all, all three of us picked this one and two Notre Dame team who just lost to Marshall to to beat North Carolina on the road. Maybe they yeah. needed a road game. Maybe, maybe. All right. Well, Greg, before we let you go, uh, I'm not even going to try to plug everything. So just tell the people where they could find you. All right. So mostly uh, irishsportsdaily.com. I'm on, uh, I do video pods. So go to, uh, go to YouTube, search Irish Sports Daily. You'll find all my stuff. I do Hit and Hustle uh, with Jamie Uyama. I do, I can make my own videos. Uh, I do the post game show right after the game. And then I do a morning after show. Um, so I got that. So subscribe to our YouTube channel, uh, go to Irish sports daily for all their good stuff. And then I do the single high pod with, uh, Frank, the for UHND still, um, that's mostly the recap. I'm not, I don't have time to do the preview show, but, uh, I do the recap with Frank. And then I do, uh, the untitled pod. That's how I got, I got started my podcast career, uh, untitled Notre Dame USC football podcast with my, my friend, Mike Muto. So check us out there on all your, uh, you're, you know, wherever you get your podcast, right? We're all on that stuff. So check us out. And you're a great recurring guest over at Sons of Saturday. I got to throw that out there as well. That's obviously. right. Yes. Yes. Friend of the pod. That'll do it for this episode. Thank you guys for watching and listening wherever you are. Please subscribe if you haven't already. Uh, we will be back on Sunday, hopefully to talk about another name win. But until then, we'll talk to you soon. Bye.